I had a chance, I was telling Bill before service, I had a chance to actually listen to his message twice this past week. Once uh, during the week, and then uh, my wife and I went to Santa Cruz to pick up our daughter from camp, and she hadn't heard it, so I got uh, Mr. Burr's voice in my ear for getting me through Central California there. And uh, you know the, the wonderful thing? When someone preaches the Word of God, it never gets old. You know, I had, I had heard it, and then three days later, I heard it again, and God spoke in new ways, and, and nothing had changed. Nothing had changed, and, and I love his distinction between believing in God and believing God. Just a powerful, powerful check on our hearts, right? Really, mind versus heart. Really, in one sense, passivity versus action, Right? It's kind of simple, much easier to believe in God, but to believe God might actually require me to do something, might actually require me to make some changes, might actually require some effort. Right? Whereas believing God, assenting, agreeing, you know, that's, that's pretty comfortable. That, that's pretty armchair quarterback. That's pretty, pretty convenient for me to sit back and evaluate and assent. But to believe means I might have to get up. I might have to do something. I might have to go to Mexico. I might have to give to Mexico. I might have to serve. I might have to use the gifts and talents because I believe it, right? And, and it, it's, it's a profound, you know, there's a simplicity to that believing in versus believing. Uh, there's a simplicity to it. And yet, once you scratch the surface and you take it seriously, boy, oh boy, it's profound, life transformative. And, and, it got me to thinking about where we're going for this summer as a church family uh, because typically if you've been with us um, at this point in the service, we do meet and greet, everyone gets up, and, and then I, I give a little wink to the guys in the bridge, and they flash the lights, and you go running back, scurrying back to your, to your seats. And then typically we pray, but we're not going to pray today just yet because didn't we pray when we started so i pray again what why yeah but we already did see and 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 we're gonna we're gonna ask ourselves right because because if you're honest if i'm honest that prayer after meet and greet it could be dishonest it could actually be an insincere prayer. Because am I really praying, because we already prayed. So I'm really praying that, do I really need to pray that God now blesses this segment? Or is praying really a, a chance for you to get to your seats? Because if, if prayer, if me praying after meet and greet is really about giving you time to get to your seats, then that's an insincere, dishonest prayer. We shouldn't we should need that because we didn't need it right now, did we? You got back to your seats, and you're just fine. And I'm wondering how many times in my life or in your life you just kind of pray without, not without ceasing, without thinking. How many of us pray without thinking? Because it's just routine, it's just habit, right? We've got to pray before your meal. Why? Why? Well, because, right? Bless the food. Why? Is it somehow 
going to go bad if you don't. Right? I had five kids and we, we taught the, I'm not saying you don't say grace, but the, the, the sit around the table and you kind of are, aren't thinking. So you sit down and you're hungry and you grab a french fry. Ooh! Busted! Right? And then you, you, you're busted and you stop chewing. As if like it's gonna turn horrible in your mouth because you didn't say thank you Jesus for this food. Why do you do that? Why, why do you pray that? And if you don't, why do you feel bad that you don't? Right? So it's not, we, we all get to pray without ceasing, but how much is just kind of pray without thinking about why and what you're praying about? Why even pray? Now, the, the, the pat answer is because Jesus did, and he says, okay. But how many of us have real, uh, how many of our prayers are, are really sincere and, and, are really about what prayer is about. Okay, you know, on a roadmap, I don't even know if it says it on roadmap. We have a roadmap every Sunday. So it says dismiss kids, announcements, meet and greet. And it's not written here, but usually right between meet and greet and sermon, it's flashlights, flash the lights, and pray. It's the unspoken. So now prayer, you know, it's just, okay, is that really prayer? Or is it code for, hey, Church, be quiet because we're going to need to move on. And yet we couch it in prayer, right? It, it's 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 code. I've, I've been in um, VB, I've been doing VBS. So I was a youth pastor, and and uh, how do we typically get the kids to be quiet? Hey, kids, let's. Okay, so maybe I'm not saying that's not valid, but are you using prayer? For what it's supposed to be, or is it prayer is code for shh? Are you using prayer, the word pray, and the concept of prayer as shh, 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 shh? Right? Right? And, and Eileen, we're going to flip it. I was thinking about where we're heading this summer, and we're going we're gonna to look in prayer. And really, the, the, the title, we're going to look at the title first for this whole series is this. Are you praying or just saying? Are you praying or just saying words? Right? Because you can even read a prayer and not be praying. You can just be saying things and not be praying. So this summer, we're going to look at this question. Are you praying? Are you really praying? Are you just saying? Because if we're honest, and, and, and why we're not praying just yet, most of the time, after meet and greet, we're just saying. And what are we just saying? Hey, sit down. We need your attention. we got to get going. Now, I'm not saying when we ask God to bless the reading of his word and all that, that that's not valid. But we have to be real careful in our understanding of biblical prayer. Biblical prayer, right? And so we're not going to pray just yet. We will pray before we leave. But rather than that, we're going to have a pop quiz. Amen, Amen, right? The prayer pop quiz, right? Some of you are like, I knew I shouldn't have come today. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Today of all days, I come and we get a pop quiz. 
So I'm just going to ask you some questions. Now, you can write them down. I encourage you to write them down if you've got sermon notes or whatever uh, piece of paper. Uh, We're not going to answer all of these today. Some, yes, some in varying degrees. Through the summer, through the summer, as, as these questions are answered, as they're looked at biblically, oh, man, I'm so excited. I'm very excited because when you understand biblical prayer and then you act on it, watch out. Watch out. Because when you choose to be in the presence of God, watch out. Watch out. So first question, pop quiz. What is prayer? Just what is it? Right? What is it? Why should we pray? When should we pray? Who should pray? Who should we pray to? Where should we pray? How should we pray? Right? Pretty foundational questions. My guess is is if we collectively as a church could answer those biblically, I would be very happy as a senior pastor. And the elders would be very happy. Because we would be a pretty biblically literate church and a pretty prayerful literate church. Because we would understand it and we would be doing that. Right? Now here's, here's the challenge in all of this. Is that for some of you who have grown up in the church or in some religion where prayer has been part of your, you know, kind of your upbringing, you may dismiss this. You may dismiss this as too simplistic, as, ah, don't need that. My encouragement to you is, is be very careful. Be very careful about that. Because I've been in ministry for 30 years almost 30 years, coming up on 30 years. And in studying this, this week, I'm convicted that motive for praying after meet and greet isn't even right. I've been doing this for 30 years. And God zings me this, this week. So why are you doing that? Why do you pray? You know you're not really praying in a sense of... of Because you already prayed. I'm already there. I'm there. You prayed this morning. You prayed when you parked your car and you walk here. Every Sunday, Richie, you park your car and as you're walking here, you pray for God's, my will to be done in this building. Don't you? Yes, Father, I do. And then you get to your office and you pray for my message. Yes, Father, I do. And then we get here at 8 o'clock and we meet with the guys and we pray for my will to be done. Yes, Father, we do. And then they pray. Yes, Father. And then you open the service in prayer. Yes, Father, we do. So why do you need to pray again? After meet and greet? You're pretty prayed up. And if I'm honest, I sat there and I said, you know what? It's not really sincere, is it, Father? It's just a way to get them to sit down so we can move forward. And I've been doing this for 30 years. And I've been teaching on prayer repeatedly from young ones all the way to high school and beyond. And yet this week... As I've been pondering prayer and looking at it biblically, God shows me, even in how we run this church, that we better be very careful. That we don't take for granted something that seems so simplistic as prayer. And we better be very careful that we think we know what it is. We better be very careful about that. Because a lot of us 
we just pray without thinking. It's just so common. We just, we just shoot things out. Right? For instance, we'll just, not in my notes, we'll just kind of jump around a little bit. What is prayer? Yeah. Many of you would say talking to God, right? Okay, well, which person of the Godhead? Because there's three of them. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Who do you pray to? Are you sure? Really? Because uh, we're going to see. Because some people ask Jesus how we should pray, and he didn't say all three. Jesus did not say all three. And he was asked directly, how should we pray? And he gave one person of the Godhead. Right? This is Jesus. Now, you can argue. You're not arguing with me. You can argue with Jesus. If you have a problem with this, you've got to take it up with Jesus. Because we're going to see. That's the passage today. They say specifically, teach us to pray. He says, okay, this is how you pray. Father. Very specific. This is Jesus giving a model for prayer. His disciples say, how should we pray? He says one word, Father, in Luke. What do you do with that? But in Acts 7, Stephen's being stoned to death. He looks up and he says, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So is it okay to pray to Jesus? And now how does the Holy Spirit come into this? Because in Romans 8, it says we don't even know what to pray. And it's the Spirit that actually shows us how to pray and gives us, leads us. So there's, there's, there's three people in the Godhead. So prayer is, you got to be real careful. You say prayer is talking to God. Because Jesus, when he was asked, how should we pray, did not say talk to God. Jesus did not say talk to God in the Bible. In the Bible. We're going to see it. Jesus' model of prayer did not include talk to God. He said, Father in Luke, and he said, Our Father in Matthew. Right? We're talking biblical prayer. And right away, just this little bit, people are like, Have I been praying wrong? You may be, you you might be. Now, that doesn't mean your heart hasn't been sincere. It's not, a, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a slam on your motive or your intention. Maybe more of an execution issue. Does God know your heart? Oh, God knows my heart. You know, God knows everything. But doesn't excuse it not being in line with Scripture just because he knows your heart. Just because he knows your heart. Right? Why is this important as well? Because... Back in in fall and into the new year, we talked about this idea of grace. And that grace is much more than being saved by grace. Unmerited favor, right? We understand that Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 were saved by grace through faith. So we saw back then that many of us just limit God's grace, God's unmerited favor to salvation. Putting our faith in Jesus, nothing we could do to earn it, right? Not by works. But the point of that launch back in fall and into this year was that grace is something we live in every day. We're to receive God's grace. We're to live in God's grace. It's his supernatural enablement, right? Bill talked about our walk with Jesus. It's a supernatural thing. This is supernatural. The fruit of the Spirit is supernatural. Walking with Jesus is supernatural. So if this is a supernatural walk, we need the grace of God. 
right? Not just for salvation, but for sanctification. We need to be receiving God's grace. How many were here when I had the, the heat lamp? Remember the heat lamp? And the heat lamp was going in one direction like this. And we were saying, well, how do we stay positioned to be in the heat? Because if I step off this way, I don't feel the heat anymore. And if I step off this way, I don't feel the heat anymore. And if the heat is God's grace, we're like, how do we stay in God's grace so that I have the supernatural enablement to follow Jesus daily? Right? And we saw and we spent the first half of this year that the, the first means of grace is what? The word of God. The word of grace. Right? A quote by Bob Hickstra says this. Too many of us have thought the grace of God was equal to the forgiveness of God. No. The grace of God is far greater than simple synonym for the forgiveness of God. That does not diminish the forgiveness of God, which is, of course, majestic and priceless. It is just the first taste we get of the grace of God. And we are to receive of the abundance of that grace. So you get receive grace at salvation, and then every day God wants to just abundantly keep giving it to you. It's like the heat lamp that's on all the time. And he says, just stay in my grace. Stay in my grace. Stay in my grace, right? Romans 5, 17 says this. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? So we talked at length when we were looking at this. We said there is a deep connection between receiving God's grace and reigning. In life. How many of you would like to live a victorious life? Right? Well, according to that verse, receiving God's grace equates to reigning. They're inseparable. You've got to receive God's grace if you want to reign, if you want victory. Right? But many of us, what do we do? We put our faith in Jesus, and then we go off and we struggle through trying to be a good Christian, a good moral person. And we slide right back into the flesh and the works and our own best intentions. And we just walk away. We step out of God's grace that he wants to be given us all the time. And we're over here and we're trying to do our best. Do our best. Do our best. And it's really all about God's grace. It's really all about God's grace. Right? And so the word of God, we spent weeks and months on the word of God. The first means of grace. The second is prayer. If we're going to stay... Right? Receiving God's grace, we're going to position ourselves to be receiving God's grace. You've got to be in the word of grace. You've got to be in prayer. But if you're going to be in prayer, you better understand biblically what it is. Right? Luke 11, 1 through 4 says this. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. So his disciples, Jesus goes off to pray. He finishes. And one of his disciples says, hey, Lord, can can you teach me? Can you teach us? How to pray. And I wonder, as we start this into the summer, if that would be your prayer. Because that's my prayer for us. That is a corporate prayer. I, I, as the lead pastor here, I pray, Lord, this summer teach us to pray. I want that. I want the Lord, through his word, to teach us to pray. Now, if you ask for that, 
Here's the flip side. You better be teachable. You better be teachable. How many of you in your life have ever had someone come to you and say, hey, can you show me how to do this? Can you show me how to drive? Can you show me how to throw a football? Can you show me how to swim? How many of you have ever had someone come to you initially wanting you to teach them something, but really quick you realize they're not teachable? Anyone? Anyone? Right? Teach me guitar. Teach me how to do whatever. Right? Teach me how to surf. And then you go out there and you try to give instruction and they're like, no, 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 I got it. No, no, no. This is what I read on the Internet. No, 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 no. I know. This worked before. How many of you have ever gotten to the end of your rope with someone like that? And you're like in the back of your mind, you're like, I thought you said you wanted me to teach you. I thought you wanted to, right, like, right, Barry, sprint cars. Barry teaches people how to do sprint car racing. I can only imagine the frustration. But they pay you. They pay you to teach them, and then they probably tell you how to do it. Right? So how many of us would say, Lord, Teach us, teach me to pray this summer, and Lord, I'm teachable. I'm teachable. Even if it means that in some areas I might be wrong. wrong. Okay, not fully right. In some areas I'm, I, 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 I've drifted. In some areas I would lack clarity. In some areas, Lord, you're going to find, I bet, in some areas... As, as the Lord speaks your heart of prayer, you're going to go, huh, why do I do that? And the reason some of us pray the way we do is simply because you're mimicking the first people that you're around who prayed. That's why you do it. You pray like your mentors pray. That's why you do it. If you're really honest, you never looked at the Bible. You just trusted them. You were in a small group. So-and-so said this. You were a new Christian, so you didn't want to look weird or ask a question like, why do you talk like that? You just did it. Anyone? Think about it. How many of you pray just because everyone else seemed to pray that? I remember that. My wife told you my story. I was a non-believer. She would bring me to this Friday night Bible study. I grew up Roman Catholic. We didn't pray. Like in small group, you prayed at church, and that's pretty much it. And so we go through, they sing songs that I really didn't understand them singing to God and really like liking the songs, and then them opening scripture. And I'm sitting in the, you know, there's a living room, and I'm back in the back row as far as you can get. And I'm just like this. Okay, okay, okay. Nice people, super nice people, super friendly, always had dinner. I'm like, yeah, this is cool. And then afterwards... The ladies go pray in the back room, and the guys are supposed to circle up around the dining table. And I'm like, circle up? Circle up? What are we circling up for? Oh, we're going to pray. Pray? Pray? <laughs> and I'm like, what are you talking about, man? And so all the, I'm like, what are you going to do? Right? People think peer pressure is only for like junior high and high school. No. How many people in this room still deal with peer pressure and you're in your like 60s? You just, no one here wants to look silly. So I'm like, okay. So we shuffle along to the prayer table. And then they do this. We're sitting down and then the, the, the guy, I love him, Dennis, I love the guy. He does this. Which is code. Everyone knows this but me. It's code for hold hands. I'm like, hold hands? You got to pray to hold, you got to hold hands to pray? Right? So, okay. 
How many of you, when you first learned to pray, like, didn't know if you could peek or not? <laughs> like, you're breaking some rule, like, close you, right? So I'm like... And then they pray. They start praying, and it's beautiful because he's talking to God. Like, talking to God. I grew up with rote prayers. Rote prayers. Don't break script. Right? You don't break script. But they're just talking to God. And then I'm realizing it's going around. Anyone? It's going around. And the, the code is when it gets to you, say something. Anything. Right? I have no clue. Right? And, and how many of you ever like, it gets to you and you don't say anything. And you're just like, please talk. Please, dude, let me off the hook. Just like jump over me. I'm the rookie here. I'm the new guy. Just, just like skip. Right? And I'm like, okay, he skipped. And you just, you can. And I got saved ultimately in that group. And if I'm honest with you, I learned to pray just by being around people who prayed. Now, it was beautiful prayers, but their style is what I picked up. Their verbiage. Their verbiage. I pretty much started, I started my prayers like they started their prayers. I ended my prayers like they ended their prayers. So they were kind of mentoring me. But if I'm honest with you, I never checked it out biblically. I never checked it out biblically. We don't have a lot of time today to talk about this. But for instance, the phrase, in Jesus' name. Why do we tag that on there? Why? If you're honest, most of you, it's because that's just what you heard. But what's the biblical reason? Do you even need to say in Jesus' name? If you don't say in Jesus' name at the end, is it invalid? Does that just invalidate it? Right? Like when we pray as elders, we pray and, and Mark oftentimes will pray. And, he, and, and, and it's, it's fine, but he just says most of the time, most of the time, he says, Amen. Bro, amen. Come on, man, you're an elder. In Jesus' name, amen. Like, I know, see, that's not me, because some of you, you pray with people, and they don't say in Jesus' name, they just end it, and you're like, it's like this hanging weirdness out there. Somebody say in Jesus' name, because I can't leave until it's cleaned up. Who's going to be honest? And say that you felt that at times. Right? Come on! Say it! Say it! It's not a magic formula. That phrase, in Jesus' name, is not a magic formula. But we get tied up in knots. But didn't Jesus say, whatever you pray in my name? No, you took it out of context. It got so twisted. And now we have to tagline, in Jesus' name, to validate a prayer to Father. To Father, who already knows our heart, who already knows what we need, but in our twistedness, we have to add in Jesus' name, just in case he didn't hear. We're so bound up. We have become so 
twisted and fearful and bound in even how we talk to Father. That it plays out into being bound up in our Christian walk. We don't have the freedom and the joy. For some, you're missing the freedom and the joy of walking with Jesus because you don't have the freedom and joy to talk to Father. You're fearful and you're bound up in tradition when you talk to Father. That's my prayer. My prayer for us this summer as a church is, Lord, teach us to pray. And as we pray together, freedom. As we pray together, deeper intimacy with Father. And out of the deeper intimacy with Father, deeper intimacy is a church family. And where is that going to come from? Understanding and applying prayer according to his will. According to his will, right? And the Sermon on the Mount is the familiar passage. Jesus is speaking to a diverse audience. There's Gentiles there. There's religious leaders. Some of his disciples are there. And in Matthew 6, it's the familiar passage, what they call the Lord's Prayer, right? And by the way, there is nothing biblical about the title Lord's Prayer or the Our Father. That's not in the Bible. More accurately, it would be the Disciples' Prayer, meaning Jesus teaching the disciples a model for prayer. Right? Matthew 6 says this. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners. That they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you go, when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Read it out loud together on the screens. Ready? Begin. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done On earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, Neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Okay. Were we praying or saying? Were we, were we, were we praying or just saying? Because we, we just recited the Our Father, the Lord's Prayer. So now you see the distinction. You can say, you can read a prayer without praying. Because it's about a heart issue. Prayer ultimately is very personal and is very, very heart-centered. Like I said, I grew up in the Roman Catholic tradition, and I went to catechism, and I learned the prayers. I learned how to say them. I can still say them. I can still walk into a Roman Catholic Mass, and I can go through the Mass with my eyes closed. I know all the cues. I know everything. But i got to be honest with you. Growing up, especially through my junior high and high school years, I was just saying them. Because the way I was living my life, 
had nothing to do with the relationship with Father. But I knew him. And in fact, in that tradition, I remember going to confession. And you have a chat with the priest, and then the priest gives you what? Penance. And what are pen- what is penance? X number of prayers to go say. So I would go to confession. I would have the conversation. He would say, do this many, our fathers, this many. I would go do it, and what, I was good to go. So my, my idea of prayer was ritualized, formalized recitation based on memory. And once I accomplished that mechanical feat, I was, I was good. It had nothing to do with my heart. It had everything to do with the mechanics and the ritual nature of it. Right? And Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, comes to this group and he flips their idea of prayer on its head. Literally just revolutionary concept of prayer. And he starts with how not to pray. He starts with how not to, right? In Matthew 6, 5, he says this. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your father knows what you need before them. So two principles. How how not to pray. Number one, don't pray in such a way that it's all about you. Right? Hey. They love to stand and pray in the synagogue and at street corners that they may be seen by others. Number one principle of how not to pray, it's not self-centered. It's not about you. Prayer is not about you or me. And yet, and yet, here's the thing. Many of us maybe don't suffer from, hey, look at how good I pray, but you're you're self-centered and I'm self-centered in my prayer because of this. Gosh, I hope I don't sound too bad. Gosh, I don't sound as good as that person. Gosh, I just don't, I just, I just, I just. Do you see that? That prayer is still self-centered. It's not a look at me self-centeredness. It's a woe is me self-centeredness. But the principle is the same. It's still self-centered. It's still self-centered. Whether it's pride or fear, you're still thinking about how many of you have ever sung a song or prayed, and all the while you're wondering how good your voice sounds. Thank one honest person, Mark. Right? We sing songs in church, supposedly to God, declaring his nature, and we pray, but in the back of our mind, we're really concerned about what we sound like and what others think about us. He says, don't be like that. Don't be like that. That's hypocritical, right? And then he says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words, right? And the New Living, it says this, when you pray, don't babble on and on as people of other religions do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. Two principles of how not to pray with you at the center and just mindlessly repeating things over and over and over and over. That's Jesus. So right there, application, if you were to just take those two home and check yourself this week, 
for some. See, if I were to say right now, before we leave, we're going to circle up in small groups. We're going to break the rows up, and we're going to circle up in small groups, and we're going to give you a chance to pray. Some of you right now, you just, your heart's racing. Right? Right, Mark? Some of them right now, you're scared to death. We're going to circle up, and we're going to pray together. Where did your focus go? Right to you. Your focus went right to you. I can't do that. I can't talk out loud. I'm sitting next to the spiritual ones over there. I've heard Randy pray on Tuesdays, and they all move move away because they don't want to be in the Randy circle because who wants to pray after Randy prays, right? They don't want to hold hands. They don't want to hug, right? It's like that, that Randy guy, right? Immediately, if I said, hey, we're going to stand, we're going to sit, we're going to pray together. Why do I, where, where, where is that coming from? Honestly, where is that coming from? Why are you so scared? Why are you so, why are you so scared to talk to Father with a brother and sister in Christ? Why are you and I so scared to talk to Father with another brother and sister in the family? In the family. And it's not even about Father's reaction. You're more concerned about what brother and sister think about you. Right? Right? You got to slow yourself down. We're going to walk through this, and we're going to give you a chance just to sit here and and honestly be uncomfortable. Maybe be a little bit uncomfortable. Maybe be challenged to pray without thinking about you. Like, seriously. Seriously, just to pray and then not even give a thought to how you sounded and and what they thought about you and was that cool and did I say in Jesus' name? Gosh, did I say in Jesus' name? How many of you have ever wondered, honestly, like, man, did I cap that right? Or like, you get stuck in prayer. It's like, I'm just, I'm I'm mostly just a confession. You're like, you're sitting in prayer and you run out of things to say. And it's awkward. And for the life of me, I can't just say I'm done. Why can't you just honestly say I'm done in a prayer circle? Why can't you just, right? Right? Like if we're talking, and, and me and Bill are praying, and, and we're, we're praying, we're holding hands, <laughs> and we're praying, and, and it, it's like he says it, I say it. And then it's that weird, like, who's next? Like, who's going to close this deal? Are you finished, right? Why can't I just say, dude, are you done? And he could say, yeah, and he can ask me. I'm done. We're done. All right, we're good. Why can't we just do that? Right? But I'm a pastor, and he's an elder, so we say, and Father, we beseech thee on this 30th of June that thou shalt hear our prayers and that thy well would be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Why do we have to cap it like that? Because it sounds cool, right? Because that's how pastors and elders are supposed, right? Versus, are you done? I'm done. Yeah, it's cool. Let's go have a donut. Right? The freedom. The freedom to talk to Father. The freedom to talk to Father who, repeatedly in Scripture, already knows. (laughs) He already knows. Do you ever wonder, like, yeah, I knew that. Yeah, I knew that, too. 
Yeah, I need that too. And then we have to get really eloquent. He's like, why are you doing this, man? Why are you, go- why are you doing this to yourself? I already know what you need. I'm already making provision for it. Why are you twisting yourself? Go have a donut. We're good. It's freedom. It's freedom, right? And, 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 and to help you in this area of, of why it's not necessarily supposed to be rote, memorization, formalized, here's some reasons that it's maybe the disciples' prayer. There's nothing wrong with reciting the, the Our Father. I'm not saying that. Please. But it's no different than reciting any other memory verse. Put it in the right context. How many of you recite memory verses? So the Our Father passage is simply a memory verse. Just several of them put together. Right? A couple, couple reasons why it necessarily is more of a pattern and a model and not rote. Right? That we're not supposed to just repeat it over and over. Number one, verse 7 says, hey, no vain repetition. Jesus says, no vain repetition. Right? Number two, if you looked at Matthew 6 and Luke 11, in Luke 11, Jesus shortens it a whole lot, almost cuts it in half. Jesus doesn't even repeat it, wrote. Okay? There's a difference between Matthew 6 and Matthew and Luke 11, how Jesus even says the Lord's Prayer. Right? Next one. In Luke 11, the the disciple says, Lord, teach us to what? How to... Pray. He, they don't say, Lord, teach us a prayer. They want to know how to learn to pray, not just a prayer. And then finally, in the New Testament, you don't see anybody in the New Testament recite the Lord's Prayer. No one recites it. So it's a model. It's a pattern. Jesus says, pray then like this or in this manner, according to this model. I'm going to give you principles And now practically there's going to be some variety and there's going to be some flexibility and variation, but there are principles I'm going to give you, right? And so the first principle, right, pray then like this, and he says what? Our Father. Our Father. In Luke, he just says Father. That is mind-blowing. The people who were listening to him around the Sermon on the Mount would have just stopped been frozen because see there was a lot of religious leaders there pharisees and scribes prayer was central to the jewish religion but prayer was always to a transcendent holy god a separate other god and jesus begins his model he says when you pray pray like this papa daddy father nobody talked to god like that Nobody was allowed into that familiar, familial sense to even address God in such a personal way. And yet Jesus says, this is how you pray. Our Father or Father. Right? We've looked at this before. The word Abba means it's a term of endearment. It means Papa, Daddy. It's when young kids would see their father and say, Abba, Abba, Abba. It was, a, it was a term of intimacy, intimacy, deep relational love, concern, care. When I see my father coming, I want to go, Papa, Daddy, Abba, Abba, Abba. That's what they say there, Abba. He says, when you pray, you start with Father, Abba. And here's the crazy thing. 
Not everyone can say that on this planet. Not everyone can pray the Lord's Prayer on this planet. Because you notice he says what? Our. It's a specific audience. John 1 says this. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Who can pray the Lord's Prayer and not just say it? Believers. Faith in Jesus brings you into the family of God. As a child of God, you have the incredible, supernatural, I can't even understand it, privilege to call the God of the universe Father. You see, in the church, we just have become so numb to that. In this culture, it was mind-blowing. If you're a Christian here right now, you have this enormous You can't even fathom the privilege you have to call the God of the universe, the creator God, Father, and come into his presence as a loved child, 24-7, 365. He says, our Father, Galatians 4, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, you are no longer a slave but a son, and if a son, then an heir through God. Romans 8, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. See, here's the thing. Maybe you're struggling in your prayer walk, in your prayer life, because you're struggling with your identity in Christ. See, Jesus says when you come and you want to pray, first word, Father. Well, maybe some of you just have to get to the place where it is Father. It's Father. It's not, oh, principal in the sky. It's not, oh, you who wait to throw lightning bolts at me. It's not you who are always angry. Some of us, your prayer life is suffering because you're not at the place where you're coming to God, your Father, and just saying, Abba, Abba, and coming in complete peace. And security. That might be why you're struggling with prayer. You're not letting that truth sink in. That you can call him Abba. Father. Father. Right? And here's the crazy thing. It's the same address in in beginning of prayer that Jesus used in the garden. Think about that. Lord, teach us how to pray. Okay, when you start your prayer, say Father. And it's the same word I said in the Garden of Gethsemane, by the way. We have this privilege to address God, the Father, in the exact same word that Jesus did. How many of you believe that Jesus and his Father were kind of tight? How many of you believe they had a good relationship? Kind of cool, like loving, like right, good, right? Well, Jesus says, when you pray. Use the same word I use, Father. 
you can approach Father on the same footing as Jesus because Jesus is your high priest. That's what Hebrews is all about. We have a high priest. And because of faith in Jesus, he's our high priest and we can have access to Father. We have access to Father. Right? It's crazy. It's like this. It's like this. Imagine, here's the throne. Here's the throne. And little Billy wants to come to talk to Father, but he's scared to death. Right? But he's a believer. So here's, here's kind of what it is. Word picture. Jesus... It's okay, Father, he's with me. Come on, we're good. You're with me. You're with me. We can go talk to Father. Let's go talk to Father. That's prayer. That's approaching Father in Jesus' name. That's what it means. In Jesus' name is not a tagline, a superstitious magic formula. It is It is Bill saying, Father, in Jesus' name, through Jesus, I'm coming to you. See, Bill prays in Jesus' name because he knows Jesus, and Jesus is high priest. That's what it means when you pray in Jesus' name. Thank you. To pray in Jesus' name is to pray knowing that you have access to the Father through Jesus as your high priest. That is what it means to pray in Jesus' name. That is why you and I can come 24-7, 365 to the throne of grace in your help of time when you need help, time of need, and you're like, Father, I know it can't, if it was just up to me, yeah, I know, kind of blew it. I know it's, if it's up to me in my own merits, I'm out the door. But, Father, I'm coming to you in and through Jesus, my high priest. It's like, come on in! Come on in. In Jesus, Jesus, my boy Jesus. Yeah, come on in, Bill. Come on in. Come on in. Through Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, come on in. That's the crazy privilege we have. That's what it means to pray in Jesus' name. It's to pray according to his will on Jesus' merits. With confidence. With confidence, right? J.R. Packer says this. If you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. If this is not the thought that prompts and controls his worship and prayers and his whole outlook on life, it means that he does not understand Christianity very well at all. For everything that Christ taught, everything that makes the New Testament new and better than the old, everything that is distinctively Christian, as opposed to merely Jewish, is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God. Father is the Christian name for God. The fatherhood of God. You've got to settle the fatherhood of God if you're going to pray the way Jesus wants us to pray. We're coming. And then he says, this, Our Father in heaven hallowed be your name, right? So here's the the crazy thing. We have this incredible personal relationship with Father. And then he immediately balances and he says, Father, in heaven, transcendence, right? So we have this wonderful balance between, there's, there's two words, two theological terms for God's character. One is imminence and one is transcendence. When you say Father, 
And, you know, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God's omnipresent. You're talking about what they call his imminence. That God is here on planet Earth involved in your life. He's imminent. And at the same time, Jesus says, our Father in heaven. He's transcendent. Amen? He's all-powerful. He's holy, holy, holy. He's on his throne. So in this crazy dual way, we're talking to God, our Father, who is always imminent and always transcendent. You need, the, you need the balance. You need the balance. Because if you stress his imminence, now he's just your boy, and you don't have respect and reverence and holiness anymore, and you're just like, ah, yeah, whatever, pray, whatever, and you just kind of you become overly familiar. If you swing way over here to transcendence, then now you're afraid to come to him because he's the holy, wrathful, vengeful God. You need both. You need both. Our Father in heaven. Father, who is imminent, who is involved in every aspect of my life, but you are God, all-powerful, all-knowing. You need them both, right? And then he says this, hallowed be your name. That word hallow, kind of a word that we don't use much. The word hallow is related to holy, which means to set apart, be consecrated, reverence. So what he's saying when he, when he says, hallowed be your name, when you and I come to prayer, you say, Father, my heart's desire. And the number, this is the first petition in the, in the prayer. The first request is that God's name would be revered, would be set apart, would be sanctified. That's his first request. Hallowed be your name. Now, the word name in the Bible, in the Old Testament, New Testament, name isn't just like Richie or Bill. or No, name referred to a self-revelation character, who a person was. Right? In Exodus, right, Moses says, hey, God, who should I say sent me? What's your name? And what does he say? My name is I am. Right? He says, I am. What does that mean? I am basically reveals everything about God's nature, his character. That's why he said, I am. It's who I am in totality. And so when you say, hallowed be your name, you're like, Father in heaven, I want you to be hallowed. I want you. I want this world. I want this city. I want my neighbor. I want, imagine what would happen if God's name was hallowed in this country. Imagine if God answered that prayer, hallowed be your name, and there was this healthy fear of an imminent and transcendent God in this country. Imagine what would happen. Right? And yet now we bring it all the way to person and say, Lord, hallowed be your name in my life. Lord, is there an area in my life that's not being, that's not hallowed? Is there an area in my life that you're not being glorified? Lord, is there an area in my life where you're shining your light? And I'm like, yeah, that's not set apart for you. You see, we can want that prayer for the country and the world. Yes, but it starts with you and I. Lord, hallowed be your name in my life. Are you at a place where you would say, Lord, is there an area in my life that's not hallowed? Is there an area in my life that's not set apart? Is there an area in my life where it's not, there's no glorifying to you? It's about me. It's about me, right? And so we're going to walk through this prayer summer. Prayer summer, right? 
and one help before we actually pray. So I said, well, who should we pray to? One help. There's something that they, they, they label the Trinitarian prayer based on this. Here's the Trinitarian prayer. And we kind of already put the pieces together. You pray to the Father in and through Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the Trinitarian model of prayer where all three members of the Trinity are involved. You pray to the Father in the name of Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? Because prayer is what? Supernatural. How many of you believe in prayer? Okay. So going back to my brother Bill's message. It's one thing to believe in prayer. It's another thing to pray. It's another thing to pray. And so what we're going to do this summer is we're going to pray on Sundays. And we're going to give you a chance to actually exercise this. And here's what I mean. Don't get all nervous. We're not breaking in the rows. Everyone's like, I knew we're going to break in the rows. No. We're talking about today one verse in this model of prayer. Jesus, teach us how to pray. Okay, here you go. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That is our prayer focus. And here's what we're going to do. Because how many of you, honestly, most of your prayer starts with, Lord, can you do this for me? Most of our prayer focus is a shopping list of needs. Nothing wrong with that, except for if you look at Jesus' model. According to Jesus' model, the priority of our prayer is not about us. It's all about him. Amen? So here's what we're going to do. And this is your homework. I challenge you to do this every day this week, even multiple times a day. Okay? Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this. What's his first word? Father. Okay? Next time you're about to pray, catch yourself. And see what happens if you choose to say Father in accordance with the model that Jesus gives. Or Abba. Some of you might say Papa. Some of you might even be challenged to say Daddy. See what just doing that does to your prayer life. Catch yourself. Right? Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with dear God, Lord. I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. What I am saying is I'm challenging you to use Jesus' model. Use Jesus' model. They asked him, and it was not rocket science. Lord, teach us how to pray. Okay, pray like this. Father. So this week, oftentimes I say Abba. And, and it's just so, as I'm driving, something comes up, I say Abba. It's just because I, I had to train myself, honestly. I had to grow into this. I had to relearn it over the years. Now I'll say Father and Abba, and it just comes rolling off. But I didn't know that when I first started around the dining table with guys holding hands. I had no clue, right? And then here's what we're going to do. And I encourage you. So, so maybe this an application, very real application. Say Father or some form of Father. Abba, Papa, Father, Daddy. And then for one minute, at least one minute, don't ask him for anything for yourself. Focus on who he is. Father in heaven, imminent and transcendent, and that his name be holy and hallowed. 
spend at least one minute all about him. All about him. All about him. How many of you um, have ever looked up the actual meaning of the word pray? Does anyone even know what pray means? Like in the Greek. That's what I thought, right? It's weird. We're all supposed to pray, but no one, especially with all the resources, you never Googled it. You never like, what does pray even mean? What does pray even mean, right? I put up, put up pray. There's the, you pronounce in the Greek, pros uhomai, right? There's two words. Ailey, did you write it in the Greek, the Greek word? By chance? Okay. So you pronounce it pros uhomai. The word pray is two words, and we'll put it up next week. First, the, it's two parts. The first word is pros. It means to face, toward, face to face, come face to face. So pros, first, the first aspect of the word pray in the Greek is that I'm coming face to face. Uhomai means I'm coming to face to face to say something. Worship, praise, petition, supplication. I'm coming face to face with God with a definite reason. That is the word pray. To come face to face to God to say something definite. So, if we're going to pray, very first thing you have to kind of settle is that you're coming face to face with God. Father. You're coming face to face with Father. Father. Right? So here's what we're going to do. Ali, put up that verse at the very end. For one minute right now, we're going to do that. (laughs) I'm not going to do it. I'm going to give you a chance, where you are, to pray then like this. (laughs) Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's not a vain repetition. It's not an empty. It's not just saying, for one minute, sit here. Maybe use the word Father in your heart, in your mind. Talk to Father. Recognize who He is in heaven. Hallowed be your name. You holy, holy, holy God. Man, if He were to just manifest Himself, no one here would be in your seat. You would be on your face like Isaiah. So for one minute, one minute, we're going to Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Ready?